Right on. Hey, anybody else, that music just gets you in the fighting mood. It gets you in the sports mood. You want, man, it just excites you. I love it. Hey, welcome to New Life Church. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff. It's an honor on behalf of Pastor Jeff and Kim to be able to preach God's word to you today. I want to welcome everybody at all of our locations and those that are worshiping with us online. And uh, if, you could, if you're at one of our uh, in-person locations right now, can you join with me with a great big cheer and welcoming on our online campus right now. Give it up for our online campus. We love you. So glad that you're joining us. If you're just checking out New Life Church, we look forward to meeting you at one of our locations uh, today. So we're in our teaching series called Little. It's called Little. How many know that uh, little things can make a big impact. Sometimes a little can be a lot, right? Some things that seem small can make a big impact. And so I asked uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Javen, and then his friend, Pastor Mason, uh, to, to make a video to try to illustrate this point, and this is what they came up with. Check it out. Good job, guys. Sometimes a little goes a long way, right? A little goes a long way. I was spending time with somebody that I dearly love recently, and they said, you know, a little bit of time with you goes a really long ways. And I think they meant that as a compliment, but I'm not so sure. Um, A little bit of time goes a long ways, Dad, is what the end of that was. Um, You know, sometimes little things can make a big impact. And we're talking about this from a spiritual perspective. And what we perceive with our human eyes as little or insignificant, tiny and small in the hands of a big God and through a person of faith can turn the tide of a story, make all the difference. And sometimes it can even bring a giant to the ground. Now, Pastor Javen did a great job illustrating this from the natural, but I want to bring to you an illustration of this from the spiritual because spiritual things produce spiritual results. Spiritual things produce spiritual results, and sometimes it leaks over into the natural, and God allows us to see with our physical eyes spiritual things impacting the physical realm, and we get to see that little things in the spirit make a big difference, in fact, make all the difference, and can turn the tide of a story, a situation, can turn everything all around. So I'm going to share with you one of the most well-known stories In all of the Bible, whether or not you were raised in church or not, I can almost guarantee you, you've heard the bullet points of this story. And it's the story of a little man named David, a little boy named David, and a giant named Goliath. Raise your hand, all of our locations online, if you've ever heard that story. Yeah, come on, we hear it. 
Even in our culture today, the outside of the church, this story is famous. Everybody knows it. I mean, the term David and Goliath is used, especially in sports, right? David and Goliath. Last Saturday, not yesterday, but the week before, the first series of the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you guys watch um, basketball, but Abilene Christian you know, shocked everybody in the basketball world by defeating Texas. And the headline of the online story was David defeats Goliath, right? I mean, everybody knows this story. We love this story because we love, most people love the underdog. We love it when somebody who is not counted as, as winning somehow defeats the giant. How many are hoping that that happens to the, the Nebraska Huskers this year? Come on, right? <laughs> We love the underdog, so this story relates and resonates with almost all of us. Now, the application for us in the spiritual realm is that we all face battles with giants, and if you haven't faced a battle with something that you would categorize as a giant, let me just tell you, live long enough and you're going to face a battle with the giant. So here's the context of the story of David and Goliath. There's these people, they're called the Philistines. And they are evil, wicked, they're the enemy of God and God's people, the Israelites. And so in one corner you have the Philistines, in the other corner you have the Israelites. And the Philistines had attacked Israel and now they're kind of mustering their armies for the main battle and they're about to go to war. So they've experienced this attack and we can all relate to that, right? If you're a Christian, you can relate to a spiritual attack, right? Attack uh, spiritually in your, your relationship with God. You can relate to an attack in your finances or an attack with your family, in relationships. I mean, we all understand attacks. Now, not always, but sometimes the attack, you could categorize it as an attack or an opponent that you would call a giant. And that, what I mean by that is life is full of challenges, Right? Just like predictable resistance and normal things, but sometimes you face something that you go, whoa, what on earth is this? Where did this come from? This is abnormal. It's a, it's a giant, right? So that's what we're talking about today. So you have the Israelites, and they're standing on one hill. The Philistines are standing on another hill, and there's a valley between them. And the armies at this point in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, they're they're sizing each other up. The scripture seems to imply that they're not actively engaged in the main part of battle, but they're kind of like two boxers at a press conference, right, before the bout, and they are, you know, putting on for the cameras, but they're trying to intimidate one another, right? Have you ever seen that? Or before an MMA match, it's a press conference, and they're just sizing each other up. They're trying to stare each other down, and that's what seems to be going on right here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles if you have them. If you have a phone, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app. Click on events, find New Life Church today, and you will find this message. You can track along with me and with the notes. So in verse number 8 of 1 Samuel 17, it says this, Goliath, he's the giant, remember? Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am a Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me, and if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. 
And when Saul, who was the king, and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. You get it in the picture? And Goliath did this, the Bible says, for 40 days. For 40 days, he comes out and he taunts them. He intimidates them. He challenges them. He's unafraid and they're shaken. They're fearful, right? They, they, they don't want to have anything to do with him. Now, here's what we know about Goliath. He's obviously a warrior. He calls him a champion. In fact, I would call him a human death machine. From the time he was a youth, he was a warrior. He had murdered violently countless opponents. He stands nine foot, nine inches tall. Imagine that, nine, nine. And the body armor, the Bible says that he was wearing, weighed 125 pounds, and his weapon of choice was this this large javelin that the Bible says the spear tip was a 15-pound spear tip made of iron. And this is this guy. Now, here's what we know about David. David is a little boy. He's the youngest of all the brothers in the family. David, in fact, is not even a part of the army, if you'll, if, as you'll see in the story. He's not in the army. He's never even wore the armor of a warrior He's relegated to the wilderness to watch the family's sheep and goats. He's forgotten. He's pushed aside by his brothers, forgotten by his father. David is little. The giant is big, to put it simply. But in the story, David shows up at the camp. His father had sent him to go check on his brothers and bring them some food and then check out what happens in verse 23. Goliath, the giant, the Philistine champion from Gath, He came out of the Philistine ranks, and then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, look what they did. They began to run away in fright. So David shows up, and now he's getting the picture of what's going on. And everybody's afraid, and they run away. You see, giants have this amazing ability to cause fear and to cause panic for the average person, right? Even for a person of faith, a giant intends to intimidate you, to cause fear, to cause you to run, to cause you to pull back, to withdraw from the battle. So even for a believer, there's giants that you're going to face, and they want to take you out of the game. They want to cause you to panic. Now, we need to know this as Christians. If you're a follower of Christ today, if you're not, I hope this is one more thing to entice you. That Jesus' way is the best way. Surrendering your life to him is the best decision you'll ever make. Because Jesus, our champion, he secured the win for us. On the cross, as we're going to celebrate this Friday night on Good Friday, on the cross, Jesus said with a declaration, it is finished. What is finished? His work to pay the price and defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave. He has won the war. Amen? He has won the victory. However... In this life, we still battle giants. We still battle giants. A giant for your life might be cancer. As I'm dealing with a member, in a, a member of my family, a loss of a job, a wayward son or daughter that's rejected you and rejected God perhaps. A giant in your life might be dealing with a, a miscarriage, the loss of a child or an unfaithful spouse, or parents who have divorced, or abuse. 
There's still giants that we have to face that come our way. And, and so what, how would you characterize? I've just laid out some physical things that we would say are giants. But what really is the battle for the Christian? The battle for the Christian is faith. It's the battle of faith. If you read the story carefully, I encourage you to do so in chapter 17 of, or, uh, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. If you read it, you will see that this whole story is all about David's faith, his faith. And so for the Christian, though you're going to face trials and temptations and you will face giants, God invites you to live by faith. In fact, he's given you everything that you need to live by faith and not by sight. But it's the temptation every single day, isn't there? Especially when facing a giant. It's the temptation to respond to that by sight. What I mean by that is a human interpretation of the events. We're tempted to respond out of human sight, temporary sight. But God gives us everything that we need to live and to respond by Faith, not by sight. Sight will cause you to panic. Sight will cause you to run. Sight might cause you to try to fight the battle in your own strength or to withdraw completely. But faith, here's what faith does. You want to know? It gives you confidence and assurance. Everybody say confidence. Faith gives you confidence. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says it does. Hebrews 11.1 1 emphatically declares that faith is confidence and assurance. That's what faith does. It gives you confidence and assurance. Now, sight will try to remove all of the confidence and assurance and get your eyes focused on the natural. By the way, all throughout the Bible, I'm going to encourage you as you read it, you'll notice this, look for this. It is faith that catches the eye of God. It's not talent. It's not ability it's not status it's not the ability to speak eloquently it's not even the ministry gifts that God gives a person that catches his attention it's faith I love the story about the centurion soldier who comes to Jesus and somebody has died and he tells Jesus this and Jesus offers basically to come with him to that person and the centurion man says you know I am I'm in the army, I'm a man of authority, I tell somebody to do something and they do it. Jesus, you have the authority just to say the word and they will be healed. And Jesus stops. I can just imagine him just gathering everybody around him and saying, hey, did you see this? Hey, did you hear this? But he notices himself and he even says, I have not observed such faith in all of Israel. It's faith that captures the eye of God. So if you live by faith... If you live by faith and not by sight, you can respond in situations that, where you're facing a giant, just like David did, just like he did. While everybody else is around you is running, maybe even in your family, they're trying to, to, to cause fear in your heart. Look at what David did in verse 26. He says this, who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Now, don't you love this, this little kid? And he's just spouting off, like, who does this guy think he is? And why is he even allowed to do this? It goes on in verse 32. David is talking to the king himself. Look at his, his confidence. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David said to Saul, who's the king. He says, I'll go fight him. I mean, come on. Isn't that a great, I mean, this would be a great movie. If they haven't made a movie about this, I don't know about it. They should, right? This is great. He says, I'll go fight him. 
Now, you might be wondering the question, if you don't know the whole story of David, was David just operating from youthful arrogance? Was David just so insecure because his brothers had pushed him aside that he is relegated to watching the sheep, right? That he's trying to overcompensate for his status with this aggression, with this overconfidence, with this violent delusions of grandeur? Was he just trying to posture? No. As you'll see, David had this unshakable faith, this powerful faith in God. Despite being outmatched by Goliath physically, he wasn't a a warrior himself. But because David was confident in who he served, that he knew this, that his God that he served, he breathed the stars, that by his voice he lit the sun, right? David knew that God... The God who was for him, the God who anointed him in a secret ceremony with the prophet to someday be the king, that God's hand was on his life, that his promises were sure and were, yes, he trusted that God's plan will come to pass. He had this great faith, as you're going to see in this story. So the king said to David, just as you and I probably would be tempted to say, he's like, don't be a fool. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can go up against Goliath. Goliath has been killing people since his youth. He's a giant, and you're just a little shepherd boy. But David, because of his faith, he had the confidence, he had the audacity to push back. Look what he says. And I want you to look for the faith statements that season this. He said in verse 34, But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. The animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both the lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Isn't that awesome? I mean, notice, did you notice David's faith? Because if you didn't, if you didn't pick up on that, you probably would be tempted to say, well, he's just full of self-confidence. He, he defeated the bear and the lion before, and he just has this self-confidence. But no, it's, it's real God faith. So David says, I have defeated the lion, I have defeated the bear, and I will do it again to this giant. But then he qualifies that whole statement of what he did, his part in the story there. He says, The Lord is the one who rescued me from the lion and the bear. And the Lord will give me the victory over this giant. Do you see that faith in God that's going to empower him? That if David does his part, that God is going to come through and do his part. I love it. So David, he had already been through some battles like some of you. You've already been through some battles in this journey of faith. And he had the character, just as I want to encourage you to do, to recognize that it is God who gives the victory. It is God who comes through. God wants us to step out and do our part. God wants us to pick up the stones and the slingshot and run towards the giant. God wants us to do our part in response to faith, but it is God who gives the victory. So let me just ask you for the victories in your life, who gets the credit? Who do you acknowledge and give the credit? 
Have you taken time as we we typically do once a year around Thanksgiving to reflect back and be thankful for all that God has done? Or is that a part of your daily, weekly, monthly routine of worship to acknowledge that God is the one who has been faithful? And so it's so amazing to me to see in this little boy this incredible posture of knowing where his help comes from. And giving the stage to God, he knows that God is the one who delivers, and he gives the stage to God, even in his speech to the king. And when he gives the stage to God, and when you do that in your life, that's called worship. That's called magnifying God. That's putting him on the stage for your heart to see and to behold and for other people to recognize. And so it's David's faith that gets the attention of God, even in this story. And it's because of David's faith in his life that he becomes known to God and to everybody who knows about David as a man after God's own heart. It's because of faith. And here's what I know about faith. Real, authentic faith overflows into action. It overflows into action. So David wasn't just somebody who talked the talk of faith, but he went to the brook, the Bible says, and he picked up, as we're going to see, he picked up the stones that would be the ammunition for his slingshot to go into the battle. Real faith overflows into action. And faith today, church, is what you should be after. And I'm not talking about just mustering up the self-will and the confidence to do something that's going to produce faith. No, that's getting, getting it the wrong way. Faith is what produces the action. You simply have to surrender your will to respond to the faith that God has given you and step out in action. When God sees that action-producing kind of faith, giants come down in your life. Amen? Come on, amen? Come on. I, I need to get down here on the front row and just stand up and amen myself. This is good. This is good. Just turn to your neighbor and say, this is the best sermon I've heard since I walked in the building today. Come on. <laughs> So the king, Saul, he agrees. He agrees to let David go. And I love this part of the story. I love the whole story. But every time I tell you a part, I'm going to say I love this part. And Saul even gives David his own armor to wear. And look what happens in verse 39. David put it on, the armor, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up, look at this, five smooth stones from the stream. He put them into his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I I super love that David couldn't wear Saul's armor. He wasn't used to it, that he wasn't going to use a sword, the common elements of, of battle, because God's plan was for David not to use those normal weapons of war. And it turns out that the weapon that God was going to use was David's faith and the physical weapon of David reaching down and grabbing the stones. He was going to use the stones and the sling, the weapons that David was already familiar with, to bring down this giant. And so I want to impose a bit on this part of the story of what this makes me think of, that some people, perhaps some of you, You've been trying to be somebody that you're not. You've been trying to put on the armor of somebody else. You're trying to be someone you're not. Maybe you've been pretending when it comes to matters of faith. Maybe you're just imitating someone else in this story of faith in your life. 
Maybe you go to church because other people go to church. It's a good place to socialize and get connected, and you're playing the game. Now, if you're seeking God, keep coming. God's working on your heart. But I'm talking about those you've been around a while, and you're just pretending. Maybe your parents make you go to church, and you're just pretending. You're playing the game. I believe for David, the sling and the five stones were the tangible expression of David's faith in action, David's faith that God was going to give him the victory. And you cannot borrow someone else's faith. You cannot put on someone else's faith. And let me just tell you this, as we approach Easter and as we together collectively say, hey, we are going to see uh, the greatest gospel declaration, the greatest invitation that we've ever experienced together as a church, inviting people to step into relationship with Jesus Christ. The world doesn't need just a a replica. The world doesn't need an echo of somebody else. The world needs a voice in your life, somebody who knows God and can step out in faith and speak with confidence. So David, he goes out. Goliath sees him with his shepherd's staff, and look, what's ha- look what happens. Verse 43, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? It's like, what am I, what are we going to play fetch now? I'm a dog, and you have this stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. And so for David, it's one thing to talk the talk when he's back with his brothers and with the the king and in his own camp. But now it's getting real. He's facing Goliath, and Goliath is threatening him. And let me just say, Goliath is not shouting empty threats. Goliath has been at this place before. He's been in a battle like this before. And he sees this young boy, and he's insulted, and he's angry. And because of his experience, his own faith in himself, he knows how this is going to end. It's going to be a violent murder that takes place. And David's body and his organs and all is going to be spread out for the wild animals to lead. I just put it very graphically. The Bible is more graphic than that. But that's what Goliath is saying. He's thinking, I know how this is going to end. But David, full of faith, matches Goliath's intensity Because of his faith, look at this, verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David says, I come to you with God's authority. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you because I get to be involved in this game. And I'll cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. The Lord, excuse me, this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Now, come on. We've all read this, most of us, hopefully, before. You've heard this story before. If this is your first time, doesn't that just inspire you? I have goosebumps once again. I wrote that I would, and look at that. Can anybody see that? And why? Is it because of the temperature in the room? No, it's because of the faith of David. The faith of David in the face of this giant. And because we know the end of the story, man, something inside of us should leap again. Because if this little boy with small little stones in his pouch can go up against a giant, then maybe I can go up against the giants in my life because the battle is the Lord's. 
Then watch what happens in verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. So imagine this, all this, this shouting, this yelling at one another. And then, D- and then Goliath says, all right, I've had enough. I'm going to take you out. But David responds not in fear. He runs headlong towards Goliath. And I love that. I love that this little shepherd boy is, is, is not is not detoured by the size of this giant or by his words. This young little boy rejected by his brothers, forgot about by his father, right? Ultimately, King Saul would try to kill him. This kind of guy ran straight at the giant. And why did he do that? Because while David was in the wilderness, all alone, he made that alone time with the sheep, alone time with God. And he learned the heart of God through worship. He saw the faithfulness of God as God delivered him. And he knew that it was God who did it. And he gave God the glory. And God worked through David because his posture of faith. And this little kid, he runs towards the giant. I love it. And can I just encourage you today? That the giant that you might be facing You don't have to shrink back. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to run or panic. The Bible says this. If you're a Christian, it says the just or those who have been made right with God, the just shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. You can run towards the giant. You don't have to respond in the natural with what your natural eyes see. You can walk by faith and run by faith towards the giant in your life and see God come through. When God sees that action producing faith at work in your life, God swoops in. He comes in and he slays the giants in your life. Can I get an amen in the house today? That's what we see in David. It should inspire that in us. And so David, with his slingshot and a few small stones, this little boy faces down a champion because David had faith and David's faith caused him to say, I'm going to do my part. Because sometimes we think we're going to go out to the field, God's going to snap his fingers and it's, the giant's going to come down. But David knew the kind of faith that produced partnership with God's work and he picked up the stones. And so was it the stones that killed Goliath? I like to think about these questions, you know. It's interesting that archaeologists have been able to recreate Philistine armor through things that they've dug up, right? They've been able to recreate it, put it back together and... As we know that Goliath had a helmet, if you read the story, the helmet of a Philistine warrior at this time would obviously cover the head, but there was a part that was cut out to keep that warrior from dying if their helmet was smashed, guess where, right into their forehead. So there was a vulnerable part, an opening right there. And David, with his sling, he had five, but it only took one. The stone found the mark. Now, David is a skilled slingshotter, if that's a word. He's skilled, but what a shot. Come on, right? And the giant fell, and David cut off his head just as he promised. And the point is this about the stones and about running into battle is that you have a part to play. When it comes to facing giants, it's the overflow. Your part is the overflow of your faith. It's stepping out 
Because most of the time, God designs the giant slaying moments. He designs for you to be involved in the miracle, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through sharing your story of faith, whether it's, whether it's through making the phone call, right? joining the ministry team. Or, you know, God invites you into the story of the miracle. Now, sometimes he snaps his fingers, but usually he invites you to activate your faith and get involved. And here's an act of faith for you. One just very practical thing that we can see from the story, and then I'm going to close, is to inspire others with your faith. Step out in faith, do your part, and it will result in inspiring others. Look at verse 52 and 53. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward. This is after they saw David win the battle. With a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along. The Sharaim rode to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. You see, when you live by faith, it inspires courage. It inspires faith in others. So how do you live by faith? Well, first, if you're outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's respond to his gift of salvation by faith. God says you are saved by grace. That's not anything that you do. It's just God's gift. And it's through what? It's through faith. It's faith that he gives you. Respond by faith. And then after you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're called to live by faith. How do you do that? Well, you spend time in God's word. Jesus, I think it's John, says, John 1 says, is the word. So when you spend time in God's word, guess who you're spending time with? Jesus, the very word of God. And you begin to discover his ways. And as you, by faith, Surrender your ways for his ways. Your faith is perfected. Your faith is, is growing, and you begin to live by faith. And then it's moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, situation by situation, surrendering your response to respond in faith, in obedience, and step out and partner with what God is doing in your life. And as you do that, giants come down. So there are stones for you to pick up today. Before you leave today, the stone might be the step of faith to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, the stone might be to make the phone call, begin to serve, start to pray once again, right? Inspire faith in, 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 uh, faith in other people, encourage in other people. Tangibly, you can begin to invite people to church on the weekend. Next Sunday is like the Super Bowl of being a Christian. It's when we celebrate the defeat of death and hell and the grave on Easter Sunday. And every single one of us who's a new lifer, let's engage by picking up a stone and inviting somebody to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But every single one of you, you have a next step. What is the step that God is wanting you to take? Let's stand. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you... That you don't let us face giants alone, but you give us the choice to face them with you. You've given us everything we need if we are in a relationship with you. If we surrendered our life to you, you've given us everything that we need to live by faith. And so I pray right now for my friends in the room listening online that they're not in a relationship. They're not living surrendered to you. Maybe they did at one time, but they've been living their own way. God, may they pick up the stone, a profession of faith, and surrendering their ways for your ways. Maybe it's a, in pretending, trying to be someone they're not. God, maybe the giant in their life is pretense and hypocrisy. And today, would you give them the faith to pick up the stone and surrender to you and let you to come in and change them from the inside out? Maybe it's stepping out and activating their faith when they've been living in fear.
And the giant has been staring them down and they feel depressed, they feel anxious. And they're not living by faith, but by sight. God, the picking up the stone is to trust you, to pick up their Bible once again, to lift up their voice and worship once again. God, you have a next step for every single one of us in response to this message and what you're saying today. May we respond with faith as we worship you. May we see that you want to give us the victory. The victory is in sight. We want to respond that way today. In Jesus' name, amen.